Comic Book Time Machine, Episode 46, our event books featuring Secret Wars 2, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and The Evolutionary War. Greetings, time travelers. Agent Daniel here, and I've got a tinfoil hat on because it's time. Wait, Agent, Agent Daniel, I'm a time traveler tonight. <laughs> I'm completely thrown <laughs> off. Come help me, save me. Hey, Daniel. Anyone? Come on. Hey, Daniel. Agent Ben here. Oh, Welcome man. to level seven. This is oh, wait, there's a third person on this call. This is oh. all thrown off. What's going on? Uh, it's not even this is, Tuesday. This isn't Welcome to level seven. This is the comic book time machine. <laughs> Yes. Hello, so time travelers. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been together. Do you guys remember the last month that we were... So we're recording here in April. Yeah. We'll probably release this in May. Do you guys know the last month we were together? December? I think it was January, right after... When did Star Wars number one come out? Yeah, was I think that it was December? January. Man. It's so it's been a while. while. It's good to be back together. I mean, we literally haven't all three talked since then. <laughs> I haven't seen Daniel since December, and we live... 20 minutes from each other. I know. I haven't seen you guys in forever, it seems like. I mean, we only live 10 hours away. Daniel, Daniel's finally coming to hang out with me tomorrow after months. So it's like yes. we record together for the first time in months, and then we see each other for the first time in months. Man, this is a great week here at the Comic Book Time Machine. Indeed. Yay. Indeed. And uh, Ben, why don't you tell everybody why this will be especially time travel Well, this is all timey-wimey because actually six months ago we started recording this conversation. That's right. We did, and we ended up not using this conversation because we had technical difficulties, and it was really getting frustrating and wasn't it was working, and it was late, and calls weren't working, and all that kind of stuff. And so Daniel recorded his portion of what we're going to talk about. And then we just dropped it. Yeah. So I, there it was, you know, October evening, 2014, and things are going fine. But we, we decided talk just about as Batman, Ben and I were, having fun. Yeah. Just as Ben and I were about to talk about our events, we decided to cut out and just wait for next time. Little did we know that next time would be <laughs> six months later. So, I mean, I, we're going to get to it in a second here. But Ben and Daniel, I am not mad, but I've been patiently waiting to read on because I'm really trying to read to only discuss it, uh, an issue on the show uh prior to reading on in the series so i'm going to talk about issue five here of crisis tonight and i haven't read issue six i've been waiting six months to be able to move forward with this story well let's explain so, what this episode is then because yeah, go ahead. If, uh, new listeners might be listening right now and you haven't heard us do some of those early group episodes and in those early group episodes it was kind of a double topic where we would have our topic, like the last time we got together was, um, uh, it was favorite Batman stories that we, that we talked about. And that was part four when we were talking about our events. So the first one was episode one of our series, which our first episode. And then we talked about, we each picked an event that we wanted to read through. And so for me, it was Secret Wars 2. Daniel, what was your event? Four, because I just can't get enough of it. What? Kind the of, Evolutionary uh, War, because I just can't get enough of it from my childhood. And Matt? I picked the 
famous, the infamous Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, and so we all talked about the first parts, the first month of our events, uh, or first issue in, in Daniel's part, since he had about nine over the, the course of a summer or something like that. Uh, part two was episode five, which was our X-Men Days of Future Past episode. And part three was episode nine, which was our Rocket Raccoon episode. And then part four was episode 17, favorite Batman episodes. And you can find those episodes just by going simply to our, our website, uh, comicbooktimemachine.com, and, and they're there. And we'll have links to them in the show notes for this episode, which is comicbooktimemachine.com slash event part five. That's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so but what are we going to do? It? Uh, ben, what are we going to do when eventually we're finished with these events? Are we going to keep on going with new event events? Part? Yeah. Right? What? We're going to pick new events. Right. But then do we call it event part 17, even though we've started a new event? Oh, I don't know what we're going to do with that. I mean, that's just the pretty link that I made to make it work nicely and, and be something easy to, for us to talk about uh, right oh, I see now. What you're so, so comicaltimemachine.com oh. slash event part five. We'll do something different maybe for the next one. I don't know. But this is just the, the, the easy way for people to remember it for this episode. Right. And the reason we're doing these events separate now is we decided uh, that, you know, it's been fun doing them at the end of the episodes. But in many ways, they deserve their own episodes. And it will be more convenient for you guys, the listeners, to be able to just hear us talk about the events instead of waiting for the end of an episode and trying to track it down the way Ben was just describing. So going forward... Our event talk will be its own episodes. Yeah. And we will get off track from each other because your event has, what, 12 issues, Matt? That's right. And, Daniel, do you know how many issues yours has? Yeah, I can't even count it. I mean, I, I'm counting Alf. Yeah. Straight through to Alf, man. Never read it. <laughs> and mine has nine months or nine 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 sections. Uh, but I'm, I'm biting off big bites. But... I'll be done with my event, so when you do part 10 for yours, uh, Matt, I'll be doing part one of, of my next one. So you're right. It, it will get off numbering there, but we're going to continue because I'm having fun finding out about your events while I'm also exploring my own, although I'm going to probably do an, a simpler event next time, which means I'm not doing Flashpoint next time because that's not oh, simple. Uh, I love Flashpoint. I do too. I really, really do, but I think I want to find something that's brand new to me. Okay, that's good. Yeah, well, and then Crisis is new to me, so so let's dive in? Let's dive in. Okay, because we're, I'm going to talk about Crisis issue number five here, and why don't I give you a quick the stats. So this was released, the on-sale date, May 9th, 1985. Cover price was only 75 cents for 32 pages of glorious DC history. Uh, the, you know, I think most people, if you're listening to this show, you've heard of Crisis on Infinite Earths. If you, even if you haven't read it, uh, it just probably the most important story in dc's history i've been wanting to read it forever finally got around to it thanks to this podcast i'm on issue five and i can't tell you how many times over the last few months i've just wanted to read on to issue six issue seven i gotta sell this ends issue eight nine ten eleven twelve but no for you the listeners so that i can be fresh in my review i've i've saved myself so here we are <laughs> you saved yourself nice. issue number five hey, you put a promise ring on that matt <laughs> that's right i did so i i hope that we do these event uh episodes more quickly because i really want to read this i i'm not positive i can hold out any longer i i just really want to be able to finish this big story so let's, re- so let's go you're saying you can't abstain from crisis we'll have to wait and see i don't know i can't guarantee i will going forward 
But here so we you're go. You're not going to keep yourself pure, as I like to say over at Welcome to Level 7, about things like spoilers. Right. Exactly. I, I don't. No guarantees here. So you <laughs> might fall to temptation. <laughs> okay. You're really pushing this one, aren't you, Daniel? <laughs> All right. Here we go. Issue number five. This issue opens with the mysterious villain, and, and we haven't seen him yet. Now, I have, since this uh, this is 30 years old, I've seen a picture of the Anti-Monitor. But as of Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue 5, we haven't actually seen him yet. So the issue opens with him just talking, uh, complaining to uh, Psycho Pirate that even though two of the prime universes have now been destroyed and the Monitor has been killed, the energies from the Monitor and the universes have not flown into him yet. Why? Why is this happening, he wonders? Or why is it not happening? Uh, then we go quickly over to see what's going on with Lila. Lila is there with Pariah. And I, I'm not going to fill in the blanks on who, who all these characters are. Hopefully you've been following us in the events episodes and Ben gave you links to everything. So uh, Lila and Pariah are talking and she's telling Pariah, I would have never killed the Monitor if I wasn't possessed. Just then, a recorded message from the Monitor who just died. He comes onto the video screen and he explains that he's planned for his own death to be at that very moment. <laughs> Convenient. Very strategic, yeah. Uh, he's sacrificing him, himself so that his energies could be used to create what he calls a netherverse. Never heard this term. Uh, so in this netherverse, both Earth 1 and Earth 2, along with all the other planets from the universes in you know their universe, uh, they're going to exist within... The dead monitor's essence. Uh, guys, I've never heard of such a thing. I mean, I've heard of pocket universes, but never another verse in the dead essence of a, of a being. Have thoughts on this? Well, when you first started talking, I was thinking nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy. But you're not talking about in the body. You're talking about essence. Yeah. It's basically a soul, huh? Yeah. So, the, like so they're, 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 they're taking up residence in his soul? Yeah, so Earth-1 and Earth-2 and their universes are now existing in Monitor's soul in the netherverse. Okay. So then, just then, Alex Luther walks in, and he's, as you may remember, he's been rapidly aging. So when we first saw him, not too long ago in the story, he was an infant. Now he has grown to adulthood. Uh, he says he's going to help Priya and Lila fulfill Monitor's goal to save the multiverse because the universes are in the process of merging together, which will destroy the multiverse. So... Um, you know, we know how this ends, so it's kind of interesting to see the good guys trying to stop it, but the goal of Crisis, from DC's standpoint, was to collapse the multiverse, have stories be more uh, understandable. Streamlined. Not, yeah, streamlined, not be so convoluted. So the goal is to bring it down to one universe and not have a multiverse, so it's interesting to see these good guys talking about how they're going to try to stop this merging of the universes. Uh, okay, so that's happening up in space, back on Earth. While the 20th century people and structures seem to prevail basically on Earth, both, well, not just both, it's past, present, and future are all happening at the same time, which is hard for us to comprehend how that is existing. But you've got dinosaurs and cavemen uh, in, the, in the streets. You've got pirate ships plus futuristic rocket ships. You've got pilgrims, World War II soldiers. They're all existing together in one plane now on Earth. And all the while, you guys, the sky is red. And you know what that means. It means something big is going down. Universes Some- are merging, right? That's right. That's like a crisis signal of badness. So, Which we'll, we'll see again in, a soon, in an episode of our, our podcast coming soon. 
That's right. That's right. Uh, while reading this, I was kind of imagining what readers from the 80s must have been thinking when they were checking this out for the first time. And I, I, I imagine that they assumed everything would go back to normal. But like we just talked about, ultimately, the villain is going to win here. But it's, I, I mean, do you think, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know the answer to this. Did readers know what DC's plan was to collapse the multiverse? I, that I, I don't know. I don't know what was coming out in the, like, the trade magazines at the time. I don't know how much of this was being discussed ahead of time for people. Right. Uh, that, that would be something interesting to find out, like dig up some amazing world or whatever the the old, because this is before Wizard. So this is during, I, I can't even remember what the, the trade magazines were. There, yeah. there were a couple, but yeah, or some of the fanzines. That'd be also interesting to get, see if there's any yeah. discussion going if on any, in fanzines. If any listeners know, I'd be interested to know just what, people were thinking as they were reading this. Did they think the heroes were going to win, or did they know about the destruction of the multiverse? So, anyways, back in space, uh, in front of tons of heroes and vi- villains all gathered on the Monitor satellite, we've got Harbinger, Pariah, and Alex Luther all explaining what is happening. So they explained that Monitor was trying to combine... Oh, and this is good for readers, too, because I don't think up until this point we really knew what was happening. So they start to explain that Monitor was trying to combine all the universes of the multiverse into one universe in order to save it. Uh, Also, then Alex explains that uh, this is how things were meant to be in the beginning. Then something went wrong, and an infinite number of universes were created from the original one. Uh, So he's saying that in order to save everyone, the heroes and villains need to work together to collapse the multiverse into a single universe. So the reason I'm stopping here is up until this point, I thought the collapse of the multiverse was all done, or all the villains doing, and that this was Antimonitor's goal. But it turns out that this is actually Monitor's plan to make it into one single universe. So that does kind of help things in a sense, because prior to reading this issue, I thought, man, the bad guys are the bad guys win. They they uh-huh. do destroy the multiverse. But so I was glad to get to this point in the story when I found out. Okay, this is the Monitor's plan. So what happens at the end is good. So. Um, Back to the story then. After seeing all the damage that's being done, tons and tons of heroes and villains join in to help. Uh, then back in the layer of, of the antimonitor. I'm, I'm saying antimonitor even though that term hasn't been used yet in the issue. Is back, so in my notes I just say back in the layer of the main crisis antagonist. <laughs> Psycho Pirate and Flash. Now, a Flash, we've seen him kind of phasing in and out of different situations. We don't know what the deal is with him yet, but we'll find out later. Um, so, Psycho Pirate, Flash, and then us, the audience, we see who the big bad is for the first time. He, the, the quote from him is, call me the Anti-Monitor. And then we get a glimpse of his horrifying face. So then the Anti-Monitor destroys the Monitor's satellite. And remember, I mentioned there's various people on that already. And the issue ends with the Freedom Fighters of Earth-X preparing to fight against the Anti-Matter Wall. So... Just to recap, Antimonitor, he's trying to kind of destroy everything and make it into nothing, whereas Monitor's plan was to collapse the multiverse into one to save it. So that's where we're left, and they kind of just set up, I'm guessing, what will happen in issue six, probably taking place on Earth-X, or at least that's where it will start. And that's that. That's my issue five, so I waited six months to get that review out. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, the actual reading of it isn't fresh in my head, so I'm glad I took some notes. And... uh, I'm excited to dive back into Crisis. Okay. I, uh, were you going to say something, Daniel? 
Well, I just think he was a little um, judgmental of ugly people. Of who? Well, you're commenting on his face. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's Don't true. Judging by his looks. Yeah, I shouldn't judge this book by his cover, but he is evil. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's clear. Uh, he sort of he has like a evil robotic face. So, <laughs> and yeah. maybe his mother liked it that way. That's possible. I bet you. I'm willing to bet the antimatter doesn't have a mother. Ooh, that's also possible. That. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's issue five. Any thoughts or questions? It just seems really convoluted at this point. Well, <laughs> it just they seems... are using the entire DC multiverse to try to tell a story yeah. and then collapse into one. I-, I love how you say it's convoluted when he's got the gem out of all these. What do you mean? Well, your Secret Wars 2 is convoluted. Um, Evolutionary War is definitely not living up to my teenage memory. <laughs> oh, man. Out of all these events, let's be honest, Matt has got the gem. Thank you. He does. He has the one that is rightfully, rightfully a classic. That's right. I've got great writing by Marv Wolfman, awesome art by George Perez. You know, where could we go wrong? I made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only slightly jealous. Although this month, for me, uh, we'll get into it, but uh, yeah, so... Your event, I'm, I'm very, I read it years ago, years ago. I don't remember any of it. And so hearing you talk about it, it's, it's, it's bringing it all back. Want to hear something kind of funny? Bringing back the confusion that I felt back then. I just read this issue six months ago and I wouldn't have remembered any of it if I hadn't been for my notes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad, I, I'm glad I wrote notes as I read it because the you know the fact that it ended with the freedom fighters i would have never known that i knew that antimonitor made his first appearance but um some of those little uh scenes with lila and priya i think i would have forgotten so yeah i'm glad we're doing these episodes otherwise i don't think this would be very fresh in my mind <laughs> well we'll try and get you to the next one quicker thank you i'm probably going to read it tomorrow that's how much i want to read on <laughs> not reading never mind all right, Ben, you're up. What do you got for us? I got for us uh, Secret Wars 2, uh, Chapter 5. So it's Issue 5 of the main series, which is a nine-issue limited series. And the way Secret Wars 2 works is we have the main series, which follows the Beyonder, who created Battle World in Secret Wars. And while he was there, he closed up shop, and he kind of looked over at our universe and thought, I want to go there and find out what makes those guys tick. Basically, you know, your, your typical alien wanting to understand humanity kind of thing. And so in this issue, he has just, you know, fallen in love with, with Dazzler. And she turned him down. And he has now has to deal with the repercussions of losing something that he wanted and he desired and he loved. Or he thinks he loved anyway. And so here's what happened, though. Guys, I've read this series of comics this is my third time reading through everything and my fourth uh, fourth time reading this particular set of issue five plus the three issues of regular marvel comics that then tied into this month and i had something really weird happen to me can i should i tell you now or should i wait because oh i found myself thinking this is actually kind of sophisticated 
there's actually some meaning here that's not just surface stuff. I was really surprised. Oh. Are you giving Jim Shooter credit? I'm not just giving Jim Shooter credit. Okay, you're, you're not you're not giving him praise. I'm giving Jim Shooter credit. I'm giving John Byrne some credit. I'm giving oh, who wrote my Doctor Strange here? Peter B. Gillis some credit, and I'm giving Mike Carlin some credit because this month actually these four issues really worked nicely together. Now it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It almost feels accidental. Like they were given the theme, and then when they developed the theme in each of their own stories, oh, hey, guess what? It actually worked out. But what happens in our regular issue of Secret Wars issue number five is there's this idea of being provoked or pushed into action. Okay, so Beyonder, he is completely despairing right now because he's lost his woman he couldn't make her love him because if he makes her love him, which he has the power to do, it's not true love because true love has to be given. And as he's going along, we get a first appearance, Daniel, of a character that you might recognize and might even appreciate a little bit. Deadpool? Boom Boom. <gasps> yeah, Boom you Boom know. from X Factor. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, if you go back to the X Factor uh, Evolutionary War issue I read, she was in that. Yeah, yeah. And she is a, a group of uh, part of the group of teens that X Factor deals with and helps out. She's actually on her way to the Xavier School, though, because she's a mutant. Um, she's a runaway and she has been abused. She's wearing sunglasses to cover up some of the bruises that she got from her father because she put a little bomb thing in his lasagna. Uh, among other things, she she laments that she should have put a bigger one in there. But she has the power to make these little tiny bombs that she can set, you know, however long she wants the timer to go. So together they have this discussion of loss and despair and desire and death and uh, basically, you know, the Sandman siblings. But um, he ends up leaving her just like everyone else does. And so she, she, he leaves her, goes back to his universe. He's considering suicide after their conversation. He wants to just fade away. And he wants to just forget our universe. But as he's contemplating this, a bomb goes off in his pants that she put there as they hug goodbye. And so that reminds him of our world. He can't escape it. And so, again, just that she gives him that little push right there, and he returns. He's not ready for suicide. He's just not ready for it. He takes her to Xavier's school, but when they get there, all the X-Men chase after him because he's the Beyonder, and they're supposed to destroy him. And Rachel, uh, who is, I'm not sure exactly, she's a reincarnation of Phoenix, I think. Does that sound right, Rachel Summers? If she's their child from a different world... But she has um, the Phoenix power. She's got the Phoenix power. I believe the first appearance is actually something that we covered, which was Days of Future Past. No, yeah, right. did you and I cover that over at... We all three yeah. did. Oh, we all okay, did. Okay, we yep. did it here. Yeah, here. yeah. It's Summer's so, first appearance there. That's right. Yeah. Which you can find at Welcome Low... Or no, Richard's welcome. woman. <laughs> ComicBookTimeMachine.com slash Future Past. Yeah, that's yeah. where you can go but to get that. Read Richard's woman there. No, Franklin Richards. Great, yeah, Franklin. Yeah. Yeah, not even named, just woman. <laughs> well, she gives all the X Men a push psychically to go after the Beyonder and causes them to run after him 
even though it doesn't make sense for them to, they can't really do anything about him. You know, but they all go after him. They all come back, and Boom Boom is gone because Boom Boom was left alone again. So she goes off into the woods, and she is now she's contemplating suicide, and she actually threatens suicide. She creates a little bomb, sets it for thirty seconds. Well, thirty seconds is the number to remember. But she then says, "Beyond her, come and get me," because this bomb is going to go off right in my chest, right in my belly, and. You have 30 seconds, and it counts down, and he doesn't come. And then she realizes, well, he probably knew that I actually said it for a minute, not 30 seconds. She starts to walk away, but she comes back. And again, she's forcing, she's pushing him into action because she's going to do it for real this time. He comes and gets her, takes her to the World Complex headquarters of the Celestials. The, and we find out that the cosmic Marvel characters are in an uproar. Be- book. What? Is that in the phone book? I, I don't think so. But uh, it's it's out in space. And the Celestials are actually standing on this giant space station that people have kind of um, come to. They've set up uh, markets and homes and stuff, even though they're, they're basically squatters. You know, but um, the all the cosmic Marvel characters are in an uproar. And so he decides to show off for her. Uh, and he does just what she did. He, she threatened suicide to make him come into action. He goes up and says he's going to destroy the universe unless they go into action. He's going to destroy the entire universe unless they come after him and fight him. And they do fight him. He beats them soundly, but he had no intention of destroying the universe. Uh, but he scares Boom Boom, who when they go back to Earth, she calls the Avengers. They come after her call. They attack him. It's Fantastic Four. It's Doctor Strange. It's Thor. It's the Avengers. But he has no will to fight. They basically just beat on him, and he doesn't fight back at all. And Captain America tells him, just go back then. Just go back. And he says, I can't. I can't because uh, he still wants to live, but he just doesn't have anything to live for. And then he realizes Boom Boom is gone. And so he's now been left alone like her, and he is just despairing just in despair and that's the end of that issue and again i'm surprised here there's this talk of suicide and there's kind of this melodrama of teen angst but at the same time it's not really overwrought it's not badly done and uh, like i said before i'm surprised i'm surprised by this so that's my main issue then i have three tie-in issues and each one of these What I love about this series itself is that you get this cross-section of the Marvel Universe. This month, we have The Thing, number 30. We have Doctor Strange, number 74. And we have Fantastic Four, number 25. And so the status quo right now, in this point in time for the Marvel Universe, with The Thing, is that he's out of Fantastic Four. Johnny Storm is with Alicia, who is The Thing's lady love, the, the blind sculptor. Um, Tariana from Battle World, because when they left after Secret Wars, things stayed. Then he realized that what he stayed on was actually a construct of his own imagination, and so he left. Now, that's a great series. It's uh, The Thing issues like 11 through 29 or 11, well, this is issue 30. That's a great series of him on Battle World. It's really, really good and something that I want to cover sometime and and do a reread on that. But... um, He's lost her, and he's really ticked off about that. He comes to Earth and meets a woman who looks just like Tariana, 
That's Sharon Ventura. And now Sting is fighting for the Unlimited Class Wrestling League or something like that. So we pick up the story of Beyonder, though, with the thing number 30. He's just drowning his sorrows in beer. And he's expositing uh, to the bartender, telling the bartender all of his backstory about, you know, I, I created a universe and had people fighting and stuff like that back in that other series. And now it's my sequel series. And I'm, I'm really upset because I lost everything I love. A fight promoter recruits him, though, seeing his potential as a fighter uh, to join his unlimited class wrestling. And so then we cut to the thing who is now expositing while he's training. And basically, he's telling all of his problems to Vance Astro from the Guardians of the Galaxy, but not really because of time travel stuff. And all of the thing's problems all go back to one place. And what's that one place? The Beyonder. And what just happens to happen as Ben is leaving training, he walks past the office, he overhears the people, the, the, the fight guys talking to the Beyonder, who's overqualified. But Ben overhears it, and he wants a one-on-one with their new recruit. The Beyonder, he just wants beer. And so they offer to pay him beer, and he's going to fight the thing. Uh, they When they finally go to fight, Beyonder outmaneuvers Ben until Ben says, you cause all my problems. The only thing that will make me happy is to smash you. And Beyonder says, go ahead. And so Ben gives him a wallop. He clobbers him, man. And Ben realizes... Beyonder is committing suicide by superhero and Ben backs off. And as he does that, he reunites with Sharon Ventura. They're going to have some sort of relationship, I think. And Beyonder returns to the bartender. Next issue of the thing, by the way, issue number 31, devil dinosaur, the movie. I'm really (laughs) curious to read that. I don't think I've read past this issue because of the battle world stuff. So then we move over to Dr. Strange. The status quo right now for Dr. Strange is weird. Dr. Strange and Clea, have just won a rebellion in the dark dimension and have she is now on the throne having knocked her parents off the throne. So in the aftermath of that terrible battle or whatever, Clea and Doctor Strange uh, send her parents to another dimension and then they have a private moment together where they're talking about you can stay and Doctor Strange, no, I, I'm responsible to Earth. And all of a sudden eyes are looking at them, which is kind of weird. And spying on them. And Doctor Strange decides to follow the psychic magical signature of those eyes through the dimensions. And it leads him back to his own house. There's the Beyonder. The Beyonder wants to see Doctor Strange. Because he wants to know. He wants enlightenment. So Doctor Strange takes. uh, Doctor Strange. Actually they're in a bar. Again he's, he's drinking there. This is a bar that Doctor Strange used to go to. And says okay. You want enlightenment? I'll give you enlightenment. And we get a tour of Doctor Strange's backstory. And basically it all comes down to Beyonder thinks he's saying pain is the path to happiness. Doctor Strange says no, it's dedication. It's being willing to take on pain for others. And then it transcends pain. And Doctor Strange says, well, and so Beyonder says, is that sacrifice? That seems so simple. But Doctor Strange says, no, you have to know what to sacrifice. It's not that simple problem with this is that dr strange has already met the beyonder he fought him in secret wars to number five and now he's meeting him again for the first time here in this issue so that's one of those they didn't really work too well together so those are the those first two any any thoughts here any questions because the next one it gets funky man with fantastic four number 285 
I guess I do like how they're tying into the original one, just with some little nods here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, except for the fact that Doctor Strange, who should remember things, doesn't remember, you know, meeting Beyonder. It was weird. I mean, it felt like it was their, their meeting for the first time. It's possible that they, it's just not maybe, written well, but. Maybe Steven's not good with names. That's quite possible. That's quite possible. Okay, Fantastic Four number 285. This is the one that I think people are going to find the most interesting. And if you've read any of these, this is the one you've probably read. And I, I don't know if you guys have, but you at least probably have heard of this. And the first thing I wanted to mention is, have you guys... You remember the controversy about having Herbie the robot instead of Human Torch in the cartoon? I remember Herbie. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, well, and, and the urban legend was that they put in Herbie the robot instead of Human Torch because Human Torch could cause kids to try and emulate that behavior, right? And I like, often have I'll, attempted to set myself on fire. I mean, that's that's the urban legend. It's not necessarily true. There's actually licensing deals that are already in, in place that involve Human Torch, as far as I understand it. But that's an interesting sub-point to this that we're about to talk about. So Fantastic Four number 285, we've got the Fantastic Four consists of Reed Richards, Johnny Storm, Sue Richards, and She-Hulk. Thing, as we know, is often his own title, doing his own thing. He's not a part of the team right now. She-Hulk can't transform. That's not too important to the story, but I found an interesting little detail. Again, finding that cross-section of the Marvel Universe at this point in time. The Baxter building has been destroyed, but they're rebuilding it right now. They're going to build it three times taller with sub-basements that go three times deeper. And this is, again, I, I said before... But this is written and drawn, actually, by John Byrne. So we start out with Janet Darling, a doctor, writing a report of a 13-year-old who died of third-degree burns. And this report is not easy to write. Then we cut to a school scene where bullies are bullying. Uh, I don't know what to call this kid. He's not exactly a nerd. He's kind of a geek, I guess. What he reminds me of is what my friends from a different school than I used to go to in high school. They used to call these kids dirts. Ah, he's just a dirt. And it was just like that was the ultimate of low. And this kid's not dressed well. He looks like he's not bathing all the time. He's he's not he's not a, a cool kid. He he but he opens we can see his open locker. You can see pictures of human torch in his locker. And we find out his name is Hansen, which is the name of the kid from the report on page one. These bullies come and they have a magazine that has an article about Human Torch that Tommy Hansen hasn't read yet. And so they say, well, you can have it if you give us your milk money for a month and do our homework for a week or something like that. And then he gets the magazine. They laugh because they get what they wanted. And then he goes into his class and the teacher gives him a hard time because he's reading the magazine behind his books kind of thing instead of paying attention to the poetry class stuff. And she tosses the magazine away, but the bullies, they confront him and they're going to, you know what, we are going to go ahead and and you're still going to give us what we asked for just because she threw it away. We find out that mom and dad are too busy for him. They're off with their work and things like that. He comes home to an empty house, plays the messages back. It's all messages from his, for his parents and one message from his mom saying, I'll be back around 11. There's food in the refrigerator. He calls the Avengers mansion. So this is our second call this month to the Avengers uh, and leaves his name for Human Torch and just says, tell him Tommy Hansen called. I just want him to know my name. Then he goes up on the roof 
and there's a friend on the rooftop with a model plane who has to leave, but the model plane works, and he's trying to develop something for toy companies. He's hoping that'll work out, and it has a special mix of fuel. And as he leaves, he says, hey, careful of that fuel. It's a special mix, and uh, you'll light yourself up like Human Torch if you're not careful. Okay. We cut. And I don't know the time frame between that scene and this one. It's intentionally vague. But we cut to Mr. Fantastic and Johnny having a conversation about cosmic characters like the Beyonder and Galactus being beyond morality. They're rebuilding and they're visited by a doctor named Dr. Darling from the first page. She's a burn ward doctor. She asked Johnny to visit his biggest fan who is dying right now of third degree burns. So Johnny says, yeah, absolutely, I'll go do this because you know what? He's a celebrity. That's what celebrities do. He gets there. The mom, the dad are there. The kid hasn't spoken since the accident. He's covered in bandages, third-degree burns all over his body. He leans in, and the kid whispers to him, I only did it to be like you. And he dies. And, Dang. Yeah. So the parents aren't very happy about this. Talk about a downer. Yeah, so he leaves, he walks out of the building, and he goes, flame on! And then, no, taxi. And his flames go off, and he tells his troubles then to his sister and to Alicia. And he says, I never thought about real-world consequences. And then this is where the Beyonder appears. And this is kind of a nice little symmetry here, because Beyonder does as Doctor Strange did. And he says, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And he takes Johnny and shows him, just like Doctor Strange took Beyonder and showed him his past and showed him uh, you know, the things that led up to him becoming who he was. He takes him into Tommy's past, which was a sad, small life with one joy. And that was the greatest superhero ever. You know who? That's uh, Human Torch. A bull. <laughs> Human Torch. And so we get this final page, though. And I just, I don't know what this book is trying to say. And I'm going to read it here. The doctor makes her report and says, um, uh, any final words? She says, uh, my final words are a quotation from F. Scott Fitzgerald, which says, show me a hero and I'll write you a tragedy. And then she says, there was a tragedy here, but I can't help thinking Tommy would say it had a happy ending after all and i'm just thinking what the kid doused himself in fuel and lit himself on fire to be like his hero that's a happy ending or is it a happy ending because he finally got to meet his hero i don't know is this is this advocating suicide i it's melodrama it's drama but what draws me in is I feel like I, I'm, I'm really empathizing with Tommy Hansen. I felt like that kid. You know, I, I, I made fun of in school and made fun of for the things that I liked and the things that I enjoyed. And um, it, it just it was weird, though, because this whole month then of Secret Wars 2 is just kind of this hopelessness and despair and loneliness. And every one of these issues touches on suicide. Now, the kid didn't commit suicide out of despair. He committed suicide because he wanted to be like Human Torch and didn't realize what he was doing, I think. They don't spell it out. They don't. But but if you look at it as these four as a unit, the Beyonder, he learned and applied his lessons from 
Doctor Strange. It was really an interesting uh, progression of character development for the Beyonder, which I was not expecting at all. So, so is he finally becoming human? Well, he's tried that. I mean, he <laughs> this poor guy, poor Beyonder. Not only is he stuck in this Secret Wars 2 series that no one likes, but he just can't get what it means to be human. This was a really sad one, Ben. It was really sad. <laughs> Glad we saved Daniels for last because yeah. we can't end on that note. So I'll play that right now then, hey? Let's do it and okay. remind me of what I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who usually goes first? Daniel, do you want to go first this time? Oh, now I can, but I'll warn you. Usually I have extensive notes and I've done a lot of anal- analysis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and my notes crashed. So Uh-oh. I had taken you- a bunch of notes and they went away. So. This is going to be take, awkward. Why don't you just rewrite your notes while Ben's talking? No, no, I can, I can do it. I just need a second. I guess need one second. I'm killing time here. Okay, because we're live, you know. So here we go. Fantastic Four Annual Number Twenty One. Daniel, did Everybody. you buy this off the spinner rack? I did. Me too. I for a dollar seventy five. Me too. And I still have it. On Daniel, sale. remind everybody what you're covering. Uh, Evolutionary War. This is part five, which I said a minute ago. Did you? Jeez, Sorry. Matt. Um, May 24th, 1988. Set your time coordinates to pick up this issue. $1.75 for 64 pages. Main story, Crystal Blue Persuasion, written by legend Steve Englehart. And, uh, wow, what can I say about this? Uh, are you familiar with the Fantastic Four, gentlemen? Yes, I am. So I'll, let me tell you the lineup. It's uh, The Thing, who's incredibly rocky right at the moment. He's jagged rocky. Yeah. And then we've got the Human Torch. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Miss Marvel, but not that Miss Marvel and, and not that Miss Marvel either. It, it's Sharon Ventura, who looks yeah. kind of like a kind of like Thing when he wasn't as rocky. And then Crystal from The Inhumans. Are you familiar with that lineup? Are you familiar, no, Matt? I am. Do you okay. know why? Because I own this book, and for even though I knew it wasn't the actual lineup of the of the Fantastic Four, because of this book, I was able to be like, oh, they can have different people in the Fantastic Four. And this was one of the only Fantastic Four comics I had for a long time. So yeah, very familiar <laughs> with this lineup, but only from this book. So so our team returns after uh, their main story arc about. Uh, finding the Beyonders, and they've been all around, and they all come back to take a bath or shower and think about love because things in love with Sharon, Sharon's in love with Thing, Torch is in love with his wife, but he's also in love with Crystal, Crystal's in love with Torch. It's all very, very confusing. <laughs> Insert the CW music here. Seriously. And then uh, Black Bolt comes and he tells Crystal, hey, it's time for you to return home and be with your husband. Quicksilver, he's not crazy anymore. <laughs> That's right, not crazy anymore. So uh, Black Bolt forces him to all go to the moon, where at the exact same time the High Evolutionary wants the Terrigen Miss, 
and begins his attack on uh, Adeline. And the Watcher watches. After giving us a whole rundown of the five issues that have occurred already. Oh, wait a minute. Did I say five? Oh, that's right, because they've already included a summary of the Amazing Spider-Man issue that we'll cover <laughs> next time. Spoilers! Amazing Spider-Man Annual 22, Part 6. Another one I bought off the spinner rack. So the High Evolutionary and the Watcher, they chit-chat. And then the purifiers and eliminators and all that good stuff attack the city. And who's saving the day for the city? Can you guys guess? That's right. Not crazy Quicksilver. And then Crystal Crystal steps up. It is is Quicksilver. It's just he's not crazy. He's not crazy. Not crazy Quicksilver. And then there's a whole bunch of fighty-fighty. And there's some more fighty-fighty. And then we get some tension. And we win, and the high evolutionary is forced off. And then uh, Crystal's going to go home after. And then uh, Black Bolt carries her to the place where the atmosphere is the absolute thinnest on the moon. Which, by the way, guys, there's no atmosphere on the moon. No, there is in the blue area. Yeah, I know, but I guess it's still part of the blue area. And he asks her to stay. And then he writes the word family. Into the moon. Because she says why. And he says family. Yeah. And so Crystal re-enters an abusive relationship. Leaves a potentially adulterous relationship. And the Fantastic Four is the Fantastic Three. Yep. And then, guys, hey, remember, we got 65 pages here. So what did we do for Marvel? And we need to fill 65 pages. And we don't have story. Pin-ups. That's right. Pinups. <laughs> you know what's really annoying about these pinups? <laughs> the fact that they actually have to make comments that let you know that they know they're in a pinup. And this is the only way we get Mr. Fantastic because he's he's gardening. He's cutting the shrubs out in Connecticut. And we got Dr. Doom. Yeah, we got Dr. Doom for heaven's sakes. And we've got this great one here. Because there's like 18, okay, it's more like 10 pinups. But we got one here of Crystal that says, It's great to be back with the Fantastic Four. I'll never leave again. In this very issue, of course, being the one that she leaves in. Yeah. So uh, the next story is called Crystal. Daniel, and, can uh, we stop for just one second, though? These pinups, you have Ben Grimm, and then you have... Sharon Ventura, Ms. Marvel, saying, every pinup section needs some cheesecake. Ha, ha, ha. And then you have Alicia Storm and Johnny Storm next to each other, the married couple. And then you have the other married couple, Mr. Fantastic Invisible Woman, who, Invisible Woman, that Uh, is some fantastic fashion you have going on there, my friend. Now, you have to realize here that Alicia Storm is in a swimsuit, two-piece, and Sue... Richards is in a mom dress. I mean, yeah, she looks like she's going to dinner. No, it looks like she's getting dinner ready for her Dallas viewing party. Yeah, as they're going to find out who shot Jr. Yeah, and then Franklin Richards, he has written on his hi fans. I know you don't really mean to hurt my mom. What does that mean? I don't know. That is really creepy and weird. And there's don't doom know. and doom. And then Alicia. But, yeah, I mean, this is just awkward. As I'm looking at this, as a kid, I was like, these are cool. But as an adult, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, well, well, no, these are cool. Ben Grimm, look at him. 
Yeah, but we got the stupid text. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's stupid. I mean, if we... we if I just didn't even... realize all of the adultery and abusive relationships and stuff. I didn't realize that's what was going on. Yeah, and these pictures this, are just weird to me now. This entire issue is a soap opera. This is the Fantastic Four soap opera, earlier edition, not the 2014 edition. <sighs> I know then, you don't really mean to hurt my mom. I, I can't. We're not going to talk about pinups anymore. We'll talk about the story Crystal, which I really – I would like to make two comments about Crystal. A, it's it's penciled by Jackson Geis, who still does stuff today as Butch Geis. And this story shouldn't be called Crystal. It should be called Not Crazy Quicksilver. Yeah. Because it's all about him reintegrating in and her accepting him back as her husband and, and their, their kid daughter. coming back and – and then Quicksilver trying to get his uh, power, his speed back because he lost it. But maybe family will help him bring it back together. And everything seems like Quicksilver is not crazy and has redeemed his ways until at the end we find out he makes a phone call. And who does he call? Dr. Doom. So again, good job, Black Bolt, putting Crystal back in an abusive relationship. But family's important to the yes, humans. Family shouldn't be important to everybody, but let's not put people in abusive relationships with supervillains. I'm just saying. I don't know. I think that's fair. And finally, we get our uh, history of the high evolutionary with Mark Grunwald's Silver and Crimson, in which the high evolutionary fights the man beast who had earlier killed his partner's uh, wife. And he goes back to the science citadel all broken and cut up, and he begins to make something. You know what he makes? His armor. And out of all the colors he could have chose, he chose pink after all of his different uh, prototypes. It was awesome. Yeah, he's got pink armor, guys. Well, we knew that. That's not yeah. a spoiler. And then he fights the man beast, locks him away. And all of his subterraneans are basically walking away from the science at all because it's like they don't aren't needed anymore. It's pretty soap opera-y. It is, but two fantastic things that stuck out to me when I read this as a youngster. One is there was a second watcher that blew me away. And oh. who knows what that's about? Yeah, no, you don't yet. This is set up for the series. And the other thing that that blew me away was that scene with Black Bolt where he whispers stay in the, the low atmosphere area, the blue area of the moon. That stuck with me. I, d I didn't realize it was from this comic. I thought it was from something else. I, and I'll be honest, that didn't stick with me because this is probably the first time I read Black Bolt. What stuck with me, and you even mentioned it earlier, is that the Fantastic Four is not always the Fantastic Four. Yeah. That that lineup can and does change. So there you go, kids. Uh, you got some wonkiness go, in there, Daniel. But hey, High Evolutionary, he was actually near the fight. He was just conversing with the Watcher. One of them. And we don't he, know which one. He, they just watch he and convert. I mean, it was his... Yeah, he orders it. It was his choice. It. It, was, it was a proactive thing. There's a, good, there's a good 8 to 10 images of, of pink armor in here. Maybe 12 or 15. <laughs> Not on the cover. <laughs> Not that he fights. Not that he actually fights. You know, he just talks and watches. But but he's there on the moon 
when it's going down. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man Annual 22. <laughs> That's next for you, huh? Is that a first appearance of a character? It is, but nice. that's next time. So you said what you did next, what you what you're going to be doing next time, Daniel. And that's Amazing Spider-Man Annual. I can't remember the number now. I've already lost it, but it features a, a new character. Next, uh, it's pretty easy for you, Matt. What are you going to be talking about next when we talk about events? Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue number six. Very easy. And then for me, I'm doing... Oh, I've got it here. Yeah, I get to do Cloak and Dagger, Micronauts, I think. Yeah, Power Man and Iron Fist. Cloak and Dagger, Micronauts, uh, Thor, Power Pack. It's going to be packed. I'm going to have to really work hard to, to condense things even more than I did this time because I did not really condense things this time very well. Good luck, man. Good yeah. Luck. It's fun, though. It's really fun to get this, you know, where are they now kind of thing. Where are they? 1985, 1986. And I'm enjoying it a lot. The storyline, up until this month, I, it's been okay. but And, and this month has been slightly more than okay. But yeah. All right. Well, Matt, where can people find you on the internet other than comicbooktimemachine.com and facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine and Twitter at comic time? Right. They can also find me at the sci fi Christian.com and on Facebook and on Twitter. And Daniel, where can people find you? At between Disney.com. And welcome to Level7.com with the 7 all spelled out. And I can be found also at welcome7.com. You can also find me at benavery.com and strangersandaliens.com, which is my blog slash podcast about sci-fi Christianity. And Welcome to Level7 is about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which we also do some comic-related titles. So that's, that's that. All right. Any further words then, Matt? I think Daniel might have some. Daniel, be safe, kids. Make good choices.